Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We're continuing our series today called The Gospel, which we started last week. And the gospel literally means good news. I want to tell you today, there is some good news that God has for your life. And our key verse for this series is from 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4. This is what Paul says about the gospel. He says, For what I received, I pass on to you as utmost importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So quick summary, what is, what is the gospel? The gospel is this. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. Now, while the gospel is good news, it actually starts with some bad news. And that's what we talked about last week when we kicked off this series. And I know it's a little bit strange to start a series on bad news, but really to truly appreciate the gospel, you need to start at the bad news because once you know the bad news, you really, really, really know the good news is good news. And so that's what we talked about last week. And so we talked about the bad news. What's the bad news? The bad news is this. We're separated from God because of the sin in our lives. We're separated from God because of our sin. And so then we have to ask the question, well, what is sin? And some people think that sin is, is just doing bad things. Well, we define it slightly different. This is how we define sin. Sin is loving something good or bad, more than you love God. And when you say it like that, there are good things and bad things that we have loved more than God. And that really puts sin in perspective, makes it real in our lives. Well, I think that was a great sermon that I preached last week, if I don't say so myself. If you missed it, if you want to share it with a friend, if you want to watch it again, you can uh, jump onto our YouTube channel, rewatch it there, jump onto our podcast, listen to it there while you're driving to work or something along those lines. Let's pray as we get started. God, I thank you for the gospel, the good news. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. You died, you were buried, and you rose again. I just thank you, Lord, as I preach today that this message is a message in time, in due season for our church, for someone watching this. I pray that you would bless my words, anoint them, Holy Spirit, in your mighty name. Amen. Come on, everyone said, Amen. In the chat room, at home where you're sitting right now, in the car, everyone said, Amen. Well, the last, you know, six months we've been locked down at home and uh, there's been a little bit of tension in the home, a few little issues cropping up. I don't know what it's been like for you guys, but two adults, two older kids, one young child just trying to make things happen, trying to keep peace in the home. And mum and dad, that's me and Gab, my wife Gabby, you know, we've been on about we want peace and quiet in the house. And then Joelle and Ethan, our oldest, 14 and 12, uh, are probably like sick of us talking. They just want us to be quiet about talking about peace and quiet. And then we got Roman who's like, I am not interested in quietness at all. I'm just going for it, loving life. And, but you know, it's been okay. But one of the real areas of tension in the home has been the PlayStation, the PlayStation 4. Has anyone got a, a console at home, an Xbox, a PlayStation? It's been a real bone of contention in the house. See, before COVID-19, 
uh, at the start of this year, it was mainly Ethan who used to play the PlayStation. Sure, you know, every now and again, I might jump on, spend an hour playing FIFA or something like that, jump on and play the PlayStation, but it was mainly Ethan. Well, COVID-19 comes along, shuts down our businesses, our churches, shuts down our schools, and now Joelle is isolated from her friends. She, she can't do person-to-person -person contact with, him, with them. And so her friends decide the way we're going to stay together is we're, we're going to play games together, and that's how we're going to stay contacted. And so she starts to get interested in PlayStation 4. Specifically, she gets interested in Fortnite. Now, maybe I've lost half of the congregation right there saying, well, what, what kind of pastor allows their kids to play a game like Fortnite? And, and I say to you, yeah, yeah okay, I, I hear your concerns. You can email gabby.blackmore at elevationchurch.com.au. I'm sure she's willing to take your concerns today. But, you know, just joking. But, you know, so now what happens is there's two people who want to use the PlayStation and they, they want to use it all the time. And so now they're fighting with each other, screaming, yelling, throwing abuse at each other because one wants to use it, the other one wants to use it. You've been using it for too long. Oh, I've only just got on and all these kinds of things. It was just adding more tension to my life. I don't like tension. And so... I think maybe in a God moment, in a, in a spirit-led moment, I instigated the PlayStation 4 timesheet. I think it's going to revolutionize gaming in the world and using of consoles. And what I said was, okay, you have X amount of minutes that you're allowed to use the PlayStation a day. And so what I want you to do is you need to write down your name, write the time that you started playing, write the time that you finished playing and then write down how many minutes that was. And I'm like, this is great. Not only am I going to solve this PlayStation issue, I'm also getting them ready for work and life. Clock in, clock off. Hey, anyone know that? I remember doing that at McDonald's. I had to sign in, sign out when I worked at McDonald's. And so I thought, this is going to be great. This is going to solve all our issues. Next stage, UN, solving the peace crisis in the Middle East, solving, you know, the oil crisis, whatever it might be. I'm up for it. Well, it didn't actually go like that. It actually caused a little bit more strife because what happened is that now there's like this, there's like this righteous injustice that they feel when the other person is using the PlayStation more than they should. Dad, Dad, come on, they're, they're five minutes over their allocated time, Dad. I reckon they should be banned for a month, Dad. Like, come on, Dad, get involved. I, I, I only want to play for another five minutes, but the other person is giving me a hard time. Get involved. So I'm having to get more involved as this, this, like, this, this justice that they want when they feel they've been mistreated. And I know it's a funny story, but, but I want you to think about something. Have you ever been like that yourself? Come on, let's be honest. Think back to when you were a child, a young person yourself, and you're playing with your brothers or your sisters or a cousin or a friend, and, and they do something, they hit you or they trip you over or they say something nasty to you. What do you do? You go to mom and dad. You go, you go to your uncle or auntie. You go to that friend's parent. You say, so-and-so did this. Do something. I want justice. Or maybe you're at uh, university and you find out about some fellow students who are cheating on their exams somehow, I don't know how, but they're getting the answers or they're getting the questions in advance. And so you, you go to the professor or you go to the dean of the faculty and you say, hey, this is what happens. I, I want you to fix this up. I want justice. Maybe you're at a workplace and you're unfairly dismissed by the boss. 
Or maybe you're the boss and an employee embezzles money off you. Or maybe you've been married and you go through a separation. And, and these, these matters, they come before the courts. And you say, I want justice. I want this judge to bring justice that is fair. I want the wrong to be righted. And that's what we're like. We do those things. Stealing from the elderly, abusing a child, murder. You know, there's this innate part of us. There's this thing with inside of us that knows good from wrong, that knows just from injustice. And when we see something like this happen, we want to see justice. We want the wrongdoer to be punished. We want it to be brought to justice. We want them to pay for what they've done. And when we think about this, it should be no surprise for us that we are like that. Because the Bible says that we are created in the image of God. One of the characteristics of God is that He is a just God. This is what the Bible says about this. Deuteronomy 32, verse 3 and 4. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are what? Are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. You might be thinking, what does this have to do with the gospel? Well, this is where it ties in with the gospel. Sin is an injustice against God and the perpetrator of it must be brought to justice. Let me say it again. Sin, sin, it's an injustice against God, loving something before Him. And so the perpetrator of that sin, that's you and I, we must be brought to justice. To, do, to be just means to do what is morally right and fair. It means, to, it means to imagine a judge, imagine if they were to unfairly proclaim justice or unfairly give a ruling in a situation, you would say, that's not justice. That's unfair. See, a just judge would not allow an injustice to go unpunished. And God is the same. God sees the sin in the world and it must be accounted for. Justice must be served. The perpetrator must be dealt with. That leaves us in a really bad place. But here's the amazing thing. God in His mercy, His great mercy for humanity and His wisdom, God introduces something new. And that's what we're going to spend a bit of time about today, just looking at this next part of the gospel story. God introduces something new. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. This is right after Adam and Eve have eaten that apple and desired wisdom for themselves to be like God. And it, it, this is what it says, Genesis 3:21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Two things we need to realize happened here. First, God kills an animal. That's number one. Secondly, God takes that animal and it becomes a covering for Adam and Eve. In doing this, God introduces animal sacrifices. Animal sacrifices provide a temporary covering of sins. So God in His great mercy and His great love for Adam and Eve and for mankind, humanity, He, he, he decides that, you know what, I'm going to introduce uh, these animal sacrifices. I'm not going to bring immediate justice. 
upon man. Yes, they will die one day. Yes, they are facing an eternal separation from me in eternity. But right in this very moment, I'm not going to bring that justice upon them immediately. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow an animal, something else, to be substituted on their place, to pay the price for their sin. And it, it, will, it will receive the sentencing for their sins. And the sentence for sin is death. We talked about that last week, remember? The wages of sin is death. It's important to note that not only does an animal, is an animal substituted in and dies for us, but the animal has to be perfect, spotless, without blemish, i.e. without sin. You know, it has to be without sin. This is, this is really important. Just remember this today. Remember this point. So when it dies, God uses its skin to be a covering, to be clothes for Adam and Eve. But its death is also another type of covering. It's a spiritual covering for their sins. See, just like clothes cover those exposed parts of our body we don't want people to see, so too does the blood of the animal cover those parts of Adam and Eve, cover that sin that Adam and Eve doesn't want, want exposed. But clothes get old. I, I don't know about you, but I've got some clothes in my carpet and they, they get old, don't they? They start to fade. They start to wear out. You get little holes. They start to thread. They start to fall apart. And the animal sacrifice is exactly the same. See, the animal sacrifice is a temporary covering of the sin of Adam and Eve. It doesn't last forever. So in the New Testament, in the, sorry, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, we see that God introduces this system of sacrificial offerings. He introduces it and there's all types of different offerings that people have to do for certain situations. And then one day a year, there's, a, there's the main sacrificial offering that occurs on the Day of Atonement. And on that day, two goats are brought to, to, before God. One of them is killed. One of them is let go. And it's a picture of it's a symbol symbolization symbol symbol there's symbolism i'm getting tongue-tied there's symbolism there the one goat dies for the removal of the sins the other goat is set free saying that israel has been freed of its sins and so this happens one day a year and this act of the day of atonement it makes the entire nation of israel uh, the, their sin is paid for and they're now freed from their sin but there's only one issue. This has to happen every year. It's only temporary, remember? So year after year, they have to come before God and this day of atonement has to happen. Decade after decade, century after century, goats slaughtered, animals slaughtered, sacrificial animal sacrifices before God because it's only a temporal covering. This has to go on, continue on and on and on and on. Animal sacrifice dies as a substitute for our sin. Its blood becomes a cover for our sin. It must be sinless. It is only temporary. And this is where it might have stayed. This is where God might have left it, but He didn't. God, God knew that animal sacrifices wasn't cutting it. He knew that it wasn't sufficient to cover our sins, the sins of man. He, he needed something else, a different way. And you know what? God didn't have to institute a plan B. 
This new thing that he introduces was always plan A, but he introduced animal sacrifice to provide us with a type, with an understanding of the consequences of sin. And so God introduces a new way. But there's, there's some caveats. He's a just God, remember? He's a just God. A just judge must bring justice. So we can't just put aside all those conditions around a sacrifice. He, you know, he, he, someone must die as a substitute for our sins. All these things need to stay in place. The blood must be spilt to cover us. They, they must be a sinless person or thing. But this time, the fourth condition, this time there's something different. God says, I, I, don't know, I no longer want this temporal covering of sins, paying the price of sins, substitution. I want something that is going to last into eternity. I want something that is done for the past, the present, and the future sin of humanity. God wants to introduce a one-off event that covers it all, an eternal solution, one sacrifice to cover it all. And to stage left, Jesus Christ. Jesus. Who's Jesus? Who is Jesus? And we probably all know today if we're watching this. But if you're someone and this is the first time you've been to church or you're watching this message, you don't know a lot about God. Let me explain. Who is Jesus? He's the one foretold by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah prophesies about his virgin birth and how Jesus is going to be crushed and beaten for our sins. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Then Isaiah 53, 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Iniquities is another word for sin, bruised for our sins. So Jesus came and he died for our sin. But more than that, Jesus is God. He's not just a normal man. He is God. John 1 Verses 1 and 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word, Word, capital W, is actually Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus, and, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is a man and he's also God, fully man, fully God. But he's not only just God, he's also the Son of God. Luke 1 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus has come to pay for our sins. He is God. He's the Son of God. And then Jesus is also sinless. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This is so, so important. Jesus, He's not just sinless in His divine nature. Remember, He's fully God. 
God can't sin. So he's not just sinless in his divine nature. He's also sinless in his human nature. Remember, he's fully man. He's sinless in his human nature. So his human nature, which could have sinned, doesn't sin because it is fully aligned with his divine nature, his godness. And so in that place, Jesus does not sin. As I start to come to a close today, and we're going to speak a whole lot more about Jesus next week. But as I start to come to a close, it's a lot to take in. But here's what we, we need to know. Animals couldn't continue to cover our sins. We ourselves were in no place to pay the price for our sins. We'd have to die. We were in no place to do that. There's only one sinless being, person, in all of creation, in all of the galaxies, in all of the universe. There's only one personal being that is sinless and that could cover our sins. And that was God Himself. God Himself. So Jesus leaves the grandeur and the majesty and the splendor and awe of heaven and the continual praise of the angels, the heavenly realms. He leaves all that glory and He comes to earth as a man born to a virgin. And as a man, He experiences everything we, we experience, everything except anything that is sin and impure. So He remains without blemish, spotless, sinless. He remains pure. And He lives a normal life just like us. He has friends and family. He learns a trade. He earns a living. He, he visits the temple. He worships God. He goes to the beach and, you know, all these things. Helps his dad. Then in his 30th year, he starts his ministry. The reason for his coming to earth, he starts his ministry, his earthly ministry. In three years, he accomplishes more in that time period than any person before him and any person after him will accomplish on this earth. And he brings a message to mankind. And this is his message, Luke 4, 18 and 19, referencing a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim what? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the of the Lord's favor anointed me to proclaim good news there's good news in Jesus coming to earth there's good news in Jesus's message freedom from sin Awakened from the blindness of sin, the blindness of temptation, freed from the oppression, oppression of sin. It's removed from our lives. And at the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry, He's brought up before the Roman government on trumped up charges by the Jewish religious leaders of the time. And they demand that He be crucified for claiming that He is God, which is true. But they, in their hatred for him and their desire to keep the same social structures and religious structures and in place, they bring him before Pilate, the ruler of the area, and the Romans decide to hand him over to be crucified. But more importantly than that, the Romans, the Jewish people, could, had no authority. More important than that, God allowed it to happen. God allowed it to happen. God allows this to happen because that's exactly what 
needed. It's no surprise. That's why Jesus came. Jesus himself knew that he was going to die one day for the sins of man. And there's this passage in Matthew 27 where Jesus has come before the, the religious leaders. He's been ruled a, a, a heretic. He's going to be crucified. He's been whipped and beaten. He's been mocked and he's been forced to carry a cross and he's been put down and nails have been placed into his hands and his legs and he's hanging on the cross. In verse 45, 30, 46 and 50, it says this, Now when the sixth hour upon the ninth hour there was from the sixth hour upon the until the ninth hour there was darkness all over the land and about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice Ali Ali lama shabbatathani that is my god my god why have you forsaken me why have you forsaken me Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit forever in eternity in communion with each other in that moment God the Father turns his son back on God the Son and in that moment, there is a separation because of the sin that has been placed on Jesus. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And right in that moment, Jesus broke the system of animal sacrifice and he became our sacrifice in our place, sinless, without wrong, spotless, a substitute, a cover for our sins, worthy to pay the price. He paid the price. God paid the price himself. Derek Thomas says this, the gospel is not God loves you, but God loves you at the cost of his son. God says there's a price that's got to be paid. Someone has to pay it. And he says, you know what? They can't, I will pay it. It's good news. It's a good news. You're a sinner. You love things before God and you deserve death and eternal separation from Him. But good news, when it seems like there was no way, when we couldn't pay the price, when animals were no longer sufficient to be our, our covering, God made a way. He sent Jesus, the Son of God, to die in our place to cover your sins, to be sinless, to be a permanent solution the permanent solution, eternal solution for your life and the world. That's the good news of the gospel. I think we need to take a praise break right now. Come on, right where you are. Give God some praise. Lord, we praise you today right where we are. We praise you for the good news of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. Jesus dies as a substitute for our sin. His blood becomes our covering. He was sinless and it was permanent. The gospel starts with bad news. We're sinners, but it follows it up with good news. Jesus has paid the price for us. John Blanchard says it best. The gospel is a glorious declaration of the mighty acts of God when he invaded this earth in the person of his eternal son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has paid the price for our sins. Just like those famous ads, those Dallas Direct ads from years ago. But wait, there's more. Jesus, yes, Jesus paid the price for our sin. But wait, there's more. There's more. Next week, we're going to continue the good news of the gospel, talking about the resurrection what that means and the implications, the good news that that means for our lives 
as well. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray.